Welcome to Bakersfield First Assembly of God's podcast. Pastor James is fired up and ready to preach. I hope you enjoy this sermon. jump into the word we have a few prayer requests uh, we've had several people go home to be with Jesus recently and David Alderetti and Herb Smith and Louise Stout and Trisha Zendejas' mom as well so I want to lift these folks up in prayer we also have a few folks on hospice Nancy Bentz and Mary Sims and if if there's more than we have heard please let the office know or Jack Fisher know if there's any time someone passes away or there's a prayer request because people pray. They pray hard over these, these requests. And so, and how many know there's power in numbers? There's a couple hundred on this email list for prayer. I think, I think that's awesome. So let's just pray for the folks today. God, we lift up those who have lost loved ones, God. It's very difficult, but we know that they're celebrating around the throne of God. And so, Father, I thank you for the hope we have in Jesus Christ. God, how miserable we'd be if we thought this life was all there is. But Lord, there is eternal life in heaven for those that believe. And I thank you that these folks were believers and have gone home to their reward. God, we continue to pray for Nancy and Mary. God, give them strength. Give them peace, Lord, as you bring them through this journey. For others that are experiencing life-challenging situations, God, we know that we can hold on to you, God. And you are faithful, God, to hear us when we pray. And you are faithful to stretch out your hand to heal. And so, Father, I just pray you'd bless this message, God. And I pray, God, that you would draw us just a little closer to you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Did want to let everybody know that uh, we'll conclude our Bible study on the book of Job this Wednesday. I'm still preaching one more time, teaching one more time. I think we've been on Job for a year, so we're about done, right? I mean, it's about time. But it's an awesome conclusion to a great study we've had for many months And I thought of preaching a farewell message today, but I don't want to do that. I don't think I could get through that. So I'm just going to preach the word. Is that okay? All right. We're going to conclude our our series, Stretch Out Your Hand to Heal. Peter and John had healed a lame man at the temple, and the temple leaders were not happy, had them arrested, and tried to silence them. But after they were released with a warning, they called a prayer meeting, and this is what they prayed. This has been our text for some time. Turn with me to Acts 4, verse 29. This is their prayers. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. When we stretch out our hand to heal... It must be done in the name of Jesus, not in our name. We have no power within ourselves. And I think this is the danger because there are those that have a gift of healing or a gift of miracles. And then after a while, they get so used to that and accustomed to that that we don't always lean on the power source. We got to stay plugged into Jesus the whole time. We can never just operate on our gifts alone or our charisma or or our personality. We need the Holy Spirit's anointing in our life. And miraculous signs and wonders can only be performed in the name of Jesus. No other name. There is no other name. And so let's study the necessity of the name of Jesus in the context of healing and miracles. And so for the sake of review, first of all, we have to establish one fact. We can ask for anything in the name of Jesus. 
I mean, it's okay to ask for anything. Now, it doesn't mean you'll get what you ask for, but God will hear and he will answer. And sometimes the answer is no, but sometimes we think, Lord, is this a big enough issue to pray about? Just pray about it. Just bring it to God. And I know some people pray for a parking space. I think that's okay, especially when you have a hard time parking like me. Oh, God, give me a parking space. But God cares about the little things, doesn't he? He even knows when a sparrow falls, how much more he knows about us. And so we can ask God for anything. In fact, he wants us to ask. Because when we ask, we're showing that he is sovereign. He is God, and we are not. It takes humility to ask for help. It takes humility to ask God, but that's the only way we'll receive what God has for us. As long as it brings glory to the Father, we can ask God for anything. And it matters that we use the name of Jesus when asking because, number two, no other name brings salvation or healing but Jesus. And salvation is the healing of our spirits. And how many know that's the greatest miracle of all? If you've seen someone get saved, you've seen miracles. Because the salvation of the soul and the spirit is the greatest miracle of all. They've been brought from death to life. Spiritual death to life. A resurrection. And so salvation is a healing of our bodies, but it's also the healing of our soul and spirit. And what was so amazing about these two disciples, these two yokels, they're just fishermen. Now, nothing wrong with being a fisherman. I'm just telling you right now, because that's my calling. But anyway... They realized, here are these these temple leaders. They were doctors and attorneys. They were highly educated. And what they couldn't get out of their minds is that here are these guys. They're ordinary. They don't have any education. They're just from Galilee. But they recognized that they had been with Jesus. That changes everything. Number three, we can't expect healing if we've not been with Jesus. The more we are with Jesus, the more miracles we will witness. Remember when I said we need more than one filling of the Holy Spirit because we leak and because we become empty and dry inside? The more we are with Jesus, the more we'll be filled with the Spirit. As I shared last week, the men's rally was a time of getting filled with the Spirit. Our last night of worship was a time of being filled with the Spirit. That's why we have these events. We gotta get, we're a filling station. The church is a filling station. And you draw, run dry. And so you, you park up and say, give me Ethel. Anybody remember Ethel? Yeah. Those of you who don't know, it wasn't a lady. It was a type of gasoline. It was the most powerful gasoline. Boy, if I'm going to get gasoline, give me Ethel. Bless God. That, I could start a whole new sermon series on Ethel. So we need to be filled, and when you come into the services every Sunday and you enter into worship, when you lift your hands, guess what? You're a funnel. You're a funnel to the heavenlies, and you lift your hands, and God's going to fill you. And I'm telling you, it's especially important. Today is Pentecost Sunday, and we need to realize that God sent his spirit for our sake and that we were to be filled with the spirit. What a great day to be filled and refilled then today. I encourage you, be filled with the spirit and so the temple leaders were like, these guys, they're just, they're just fishermen. They're, they are, they're uneducated. But they also noticed another thing about them. They had courage. I'm telling you, the name of Jesus gives you courage. The Spirit gives you courage. Courage comes by waiting in the presence of God. Number four, miracles are not a competition. The the disciples were often competitive with each other and other people. They kept wanting to be the greatest. They weren't, they didn't want, you know, here Jesus is trying to teach them to be a servant. 
and they want to be the greatest. My brother Danny was four years older than I, and we always competed and contended with one another all, all the time. And I felt it was my responsibility to tell on him so he could get in trouble and learn from his error of his ways. And usually when I did that, he would find me later and show me the error of my ways. But we all, I don't know if you had a sibling like that, man, we were just always going up against each other. And so one of the things we would do in the summer when we were kids, we'd take apart our bicycles and work on them. Remember that when you could take apart your bicycle? It was so cool. We'd put a big tire on the front and a small man on the back. We'd experiment. And we took the forks from another bike and forced them on the forks of our bike so they looked like choppers. Oh, yeah, we were cool. We had bicycles that were patched together, but we looked like we were, had choppers. And yes, we did the old affix the playing card on the spokes thing. Anybody do that with it? Yes. I have no idea why. It didn't sound like a motorcycle or anything, just like a flapping card. But anyway, we did that. One hot summer day, Danny bolted a big front tire on his bike and took it for a test drive on the street in front of our house. As I watched him from the front yard, he popped a wheelie. He was actually pretty good at riding wheelies. And he popped this wheelie and all of a sudden the front tire comes off his bike and starts bouncing down the street. It was like time froze. I'll never forget the shock look on his face when he sees his tire bouncing down the road. You know, what goes up must eventually come down. And so sure enough, he planted those forks in the hot asphalt. Well, the law of inertia took over. And he catapulted over the handlebars and landed hard on the street and got a serious road rash. As he cried out in pain, I doubled over in laughter. <laughs> Just doing my job. Well, he didn't appreciate that. So he bided his time to seek revenge. One day, I was riding my bike on that same street when Danny yelled out my name from the front yard. I looked over at him and wondered what he wanted. He just looked at me with this coy look on his face. I kept looking at him while I continued pedaling. Then all of a sudden, wham! I had run into the back bumper of our car parked on the street and was catapulted onto the trunk. Now it was my turn to cry and his turn to laugh. Good times, good times. Let's not hinder anyone from performing miracles in the name of Jesus. Let's not try to complete with other churches. God's called this church with a unique vision and for people to fill this place and to win the lost. We're not in competition. We're in competition against the world and the devil. Other churches that preach Christ are on our side. And we, we are against the evil one. And in fact, it doesn't take much to bless the Lord. He said, even if you get a cup of cold water in my name, you will not lose your reward. Isn't that incredible? It doesn't take much. Just a cup of water will bless the Lord and he will bless us. So that's where we left off. The name of Jesus is powerful, but just saying the name of Jesus is not enough. What do, you, what do I mean? Well, I'm glad you asked. Number five, you must know the person behind the name. A lot of people know the name Jesus, but have no power. A lot of people know of the name, but don't know of the person behind the name. And those who treat the name of Jesus lightly better beware. 
Listen to this amazing story. I, I love the Bible so much. I've read through it multiple times, and it's always fresh and new. Don't ever give up on reading God's word. And what I find in the Bible is a lot of humor. And the Bible says that God laughs. And so how many of you know that we're created in the image of God, and so we laugh too? And it's okay to laugh at certain things, not when your brother wrecks on his bike. But So this story to me is powerful but hilarious because the Bible has some hilarious moments. Acts 19.13, some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. And one day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and I know about Paul, but who are you? Well, that is just the coolest thing. Isn't it just chilling? A chill just go down your spine. Yeah, Jesus, I, I know. And I, I've heard about this guy, Paul, but who in the world are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. Naked. It's always better to say it in the southern style. It's not as bad. Naked. Now, this, this, this demon saying, I, I know Jesus, but I don't know you. Does the devil know who you are? These men knew the name of Jesus, but they did not know the person behind the name. Therefore, they could not claim the awesome power of the name of Jesus. They knew of the name, but they did not understand its meaning. Now, I didn't know about this story until just last week. Shortly after I became your pastor in 2009, Ron Henson invited me to lunch at Hungry Hunter. For some reason, the hostess seated us in the bar section. Ron ordered an iced tea, and I ordered an Arnold Palmer. Now, Ron had never heard of that drink, so he thought, uh-oh, this must be an alcoholic drink. <laughs> Ron was stunned, because not only were we sitting in the bar area, but his new pastor is drinking alcoholic drinks right there in front of God and everything. And it wasn't until some time later that Ron found out that an Arnold Palmer is only iced tea and lemonade mixed together. Now, there's no alcohol in it. And he gave me permission to tell this story. To me, it was, what was amazing, he, did, he waited till last week to tell me. It's been 14 years. Is so he thinking I'm down in Arnold Palmer's all the time all over town all these years? <laughs> we love you, Ron. He's my brother from another mother, that's for sure. So Ron learned the, name, the meaning of the name Arnold Palmer, and we need to learn the meaning behind the name of Jesus. These seven charlatans had heard of the name of Jesus, but they didn't know its incredible significance. You can't just throw that name around. And God forbid we use it in vain. The it, it grieves me when I hear the name of Jesus said in vain as a swear word. And so these guys thought they could use that name. And as a result, the demon-possessed man beat them up and ripped their clothes off. Now, these guys aren't the first streakers in the Bible. Look at Mark 14, 51. A young man, this is when Jesus was lit, being led away to be crucified. A young man wearing nothing but a linen garment was following Jesus. 
When they seized him, he fled naked, leaving his garment behind. Some people think it was John Mark that wrote the book. That he, he's, not, he's trying not to admit it because it's embarrassing. But it's important for us to know because it could be a question on Jeopardy someday. <laughs> Who was the first streaker in the Bible? You're not, now you're ready. The name of Jesus is not a magic spell or an incantation that anyone else can use. However, if you truly know Jesus, I guarantee you the devil knows you. He knows who you are. He doesn't care about you if you're an unbeliever. He's already got you under his grip. But the moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ, he knows your name. Now, some say, well, that's scary. Why would you say that, Pastor? It shouldn't scare us because he knows your name, but he is scared to death of the name of Jesus. Look at 1 John 4, 4. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. We use that scripture a lot, but we need to believe it. We need to claim it and practice it. You are not to be afraid of the devil. There's nothing to fear. He is powerful, and he has people under his grip, and And demons have great power, but you're a believer in Jesus Christ. That should not scare you a bit. You're filled with the Holy Spirit. You don't have to worry about demons because they know Jesus and tremble. That's in the book of James. I love that, that that the demons know the name of Jesus and it scares them spitless. So we have Jesus in us. We don't have to fear anything. Yep, the devil knows your name, but you have nothing to fear. Someday, everyone will bow to the name. There are those that mock the name today, ridicule the name today, but even they will someday bow. Look at, and you know this scripture, but it's so powerful. Philippians 2.9. Therefore, God exalted him, meaning Jesus, to the highest place. And gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Oh man, everybody will bow. Every king, every ruler, every devil in hell will bow the knee to the name of Jesus and confess that Jesus is Lord. And I'm here to tell you that you can do it willingly today or forcefully tomorrow. But everybody's going to bow and everybody's going to confess that name, the name of Jesus. And so how many many of us, let's confess it now, amen? Amen. Would you say it with me? Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is my Lord. Amen. Now, again, number six, you must have a relationship with Jesus before you have a right to use his name. You have to have a relationship. He has to be your savior. And and when uh, Jesus was teaching his disciples how to identify false prophets in wolves and sheep's clothing, he said a few things. Because this is interesting that there can be false miracles and false healings. And so look at Matthew 7, 21. Jesus said these words, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? So there's false prophecies. And in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles. And then I will tell them plainly, I never 
knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. It's not enough for you to know Jesus. Does Jesus know you? And of course, Jesus knows everyone, but I mean in a personal way through a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's important that we know Jesus, but it's important that Jesus knows us. And the key is doing the will of God. Number seven, what distinguishes a false prophet from a true one is obedience. God said in the book of Deuteronomy that when they entered into the promised land that there would be false prophets. And what they prophesied would come true. But he said they'll try to get you to worship idols. And so you'll know them not by the miracle, but by their fruit, by their obedience. And so we know this is going to happen in the last days. There will be great, great deception. And it would even deceive the elect, which is you and me, Christians, if that were possible. And so we have to be on our guard. Because number eight, true miracles make people believe. False miracles make people deceived. We need to be watching for this because the Bible says this will increase in the last days. Look at 2 Thessalonians 2.9. The coming of the lawless one, the Antichrist, will be in accordance with the work of Satan displayed in all kinds of counterfeit miracles, signs, and wonders. Even the magicians in Pharaoh's house were able to duplicate the first three plagues. And then that was it. They couldn't duplicate any more plagues. They, they were able to knock down the first three. And so the enemy w- will do false miracles, counterfeit healings. And so that's why I've often st- stressed, we don't follow signs and wonders. We let signs and wonders follow us. Now, I believe in signs and wonders, but we're also warned to watch out. Do not be deceived by these things. Test the spirits. Test all the spirits to see if they're from God. And so I want to conclude with this. We can ask for anything in the name of Jesus. No other name brings salvation or healing but Jesus. But we can't expect a healing if we've not been with him. And miracles are not a competition. You must know the person behind the name. And you must have a relationship with Jesus to have his authority that comes from his name. And what distinguishes a false prophet from a true one is obedience. Obedience to God's will and his ways. And his commands. True miracles will make people believe, but false miracles will make people deceived. Well, that's it. So I'd just like for the last time to speak this blessing over you. I want to say a few words first. Sorry, tricked you. (laughs) I believe God is about to do something great in this church. I really believe it. There is anointing, there is momentum, there is the spirit that is moving. We have a great search team, we have a great staff. Would you stand with them and pray with them? Because they they need your strength as well. They've got a serious decision to make. But we know the Holy Spirit will guide them. So I believe truly the best days are ahead. So I've asked you just two things. Stay and pray. Stay and pray. Ministry will continue. This church, I believe this church is going to grow in the interim because it's, the church is you. It's not me. It's not a man. It's, it's the people of God. Now, I appreciate your prayers. And I, I'm going to ask you to do a strange prayer for me, okay? I'm going to ask you to pray 
that God puts unbelievers in my life wherever I work, wherever I go. I miss witnessing to people. You know, everyone I deal with around here is saved. It's frustrating, I'm telling you what. I've tried to get Pastor Gary saved three times and he's already saved. I just say, humor me, Pastor Gary. Let me pretend that I'm leading someone to Christ. It's actually something I love. I love witnessing. And I look for opportunities. I got my hair cut. Did you notice? Yeah, there's not much to show anymore, but. And so, and I do love, I am a fisherman, I, and I love to fish real fish, and I love to be fishers of men and women. And so I went and got my hair cut, and I threw out the line. She started talking to me. She was real nice at first, at first. Uh, but anyway, so I threw out the line. She's taught, you know, and I'm always looking for some kind of, some kind of opening. And so she started talking about graduation. So I said, oh, yeah, I just spoke at a graduation last night. She said, oh, that's great. It's like, come on, come on, ask me. So I finally said, yeah, I, I, I preached at Stockdale Christian School at their graduation. She goes, oh. I said, yeah, it's part of Bakersfield First Assembly. You ought to check it out. Oh, okay. Never said a word the rest of the time. Um, <laughs> Sometimes they're biting, sometimes they ain't, but I'm casting my line anyway. So I, th- I thank you, I thank you for being a church that loves us, being a people that care, and we're so grateful. And I just speak this blessing, and I believe every word of it's for you, for your life, for your family, for your home, for your church. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Can we give them one more round of applause? Thank you, Pastor. listening to Bakersfield First Assembly's weekly broadcast. BFA is located on the corner of California and Marilla Way. We meet every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. in person and online on Facebook and YouTube. For more information, check out our website, bakersfieldfirst.com, or download our app from the App Store.